0: Welcome to a new edition of the Famous Interviews with Joe D'Amino. On this episode, we talk with novelist Joe Hilliard. He is also a lobbyist by day and resides in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. He talks about his fantasy series, his day job, role models, and plenty of stories in between. Enjoy this interview. What's happening? Oh, not too much, man. How's life? Good, good. Yeah, up front. Hey, thanks for taking a minute out. I appreciate it. My pleasure, sir. To to, to kind of set the tone, I guess, I I think that, Thing about life in the last two years is that it's almost been kind of this fantasy novel. It's been this thing that all of us have just dove into the unexpected. It's been the snow globe turned upside down. And for you as a writer, you know it's a solitary act, so to speak. But there's the promotion. There's everything that goes into it. How as an artist did you survive this COVID period the last two years?
1: To be very fair, it's it's a it's almost you have to make it its own business right? And there are a number of ways you can promote your business remotely. And so you engage in things like this, whether they're podcasts or YouTube channels, uh, you try to visit as many social media channels as possible. A lot of folks, especially folks that like fantasy sci-fi, I think find that uh, social media is a way to not only promote, but also to sell uh, and, uh, and to engage Uh, And so even though in the last six months you've seen a return to the traditional sales methodology, which takes you to libraries and bookstores and conventions, a lot of it uh, we've learned over the last two years of COVID uh, has really taken us to places that are virtual. So many of my uh, meetings and promotional activities are related to Zoom or something uh, that I can do through a podcast. And I think you also have to Look at the opportunities that come from finding book reviewers to kind of really weigh in uh, and use their reviews and promote them. I went out and built an entire list of folks that do fantasy and sci-fi book promotions. Some of them ask for money. You know, there are a lot of people that don't get involved in that kind of stuff. Sometimes they do it for free because it's an altruistic thing and they're trying to help other authors. And I think that creatives have a tendency to help other creatives uh, and I've seen things uh, like you know just yesterday I did some of my own social media about a guy who you know did an artist rendering of one of the creatures in my book and I promoted him through my social media he promoted me through his social media and and so they they you know he himself is an artist I am an author but as creatives I mean, we're helping one another uh, and so there's been a, a you know a, a gap where I think that I'm good in front of people. I love being at conventions. I love going to bookstores. I like going to to libraries. I I feel energized when I leave there because people really fall in love with the material, and you get to see people, and they get to talk to you about those characters. And sometimes that's that's limited uh, in social media, but there's something about social media where you can reach ten thousand people with one tweet, you know, or you can do an a, 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 an ad promotion. Uh, on, a, on a Google or a Facebook that pushes your product. And that's why I said you kind of have to look at it as, as its own self-contained business. Like, you are the the brand and your books are your product. You know, and I think that's
0: the beauty of this process of doing podcasting. And just even with the modern world, it's like we have this opportunity that may not have existed maybe 10, 20 years ago, where you can really get to a personal level with someone. Of course, you could have articles that can be written on you and all of that. But when you actually hear the voice and feel it in a different way, I think there's something that's obviously special about that. And that has to be a pretty big boon for authors. It
1: is. You know, you know. There's a Q and A, right? And there's also that give and take that comes to that. And some podcasts or YouTube channels or TikTokers, well, or not TikTokers, but like the YouTube folks and the, and the, the podcasters you invite people in. And I've been on shows that have lasted three hours Uh, and you get calls, you get people that'll that'll enter in chat questions. Uh, I had some really great live stuff on Facebook where people are jumping in and asking really unique questions, not just about the book, but they want to get to know the author. And I think they cheer for the author uh, or they'll cheer for the artist if they like them and they'll buy their stuff and they'll promote their stuff. And you're right. I mean, so, Podcasting has become a you know a, a real strong tool in the tool chest of folks like me.
0: So let's go back in your life here to the beginning. Talk, talk to me a little bit about where you were born and raised and how this dream of becoming a fantasy author started for you.
1: Yeah, sure. So I'm I'm in Pittsburgh. You know, I was born and, and raised here. I have always wanted to be a an author. You know, but life got in the way of that. Uh, you know, I, I went to school for political science and economics. I became a lobbyist, spent some time in D.C., and in fact, I'm, I'm doing some of that, you know, professionally, uh, you know, right now is my day job. I do my writing at night and on the weekends. Uh, and my hope is that sort of the back nine of my career, I can, I can migrate into a role as a full-time author and that I, I need my, my stuff to be successful. But in the beginning, you know, I, you know, I was very young and i got read as a fourth grade assignment one of my english teachers read to us uh the hobbit and i fell in love with the genre ever since you know it was uh, almost the end of the school year and he had really kind of you know taken you know the, the the put off the accelerator put it on the brake uh and you know learning about the uh the hobbit and just the fantasy of Tolkien you know really kind of
0: introduced
1: me to to that And I I had another asset, too, which is an unconventional one. Uh, My uncle, who was like a second father to me, was uh, paralyzed in the war. And he came home. My mother became his nurse. And uh, there was very limited things that he could do. And one of the things he ended up doing was writing. He was quadriplegic, and he worked on an old typewriter. Um, And I sat in his room. I kind of grew up in his room. He was a tutor to me. Uh, And I had the advantage of being... A tutor by someone who had become an author, uh, and he had entered me into sort of like a fourth grade, or it was like an eighth grade writing contest and while I was still in the fourth grade. Starting to play Dungeons and Dragons, another thing that he can do that to escape his, you know, his failing body, and you know, I, you know, that opened my mind up to uh, even more of that kind of, you know, fantasy, sci-fi realm. You know, you get to play these games, and you start watching movies, and you read more books, and you get into it, and I just fell in love with the genre. And it was through his tutelage as well as just kind of a random, you know, chance, you know, reading of The Hobbit at the end of a school year that really kind of got everything supercharged within me. And ever since i wanted to do it, and then getting back to your original uh, question, I mean, COVID gave me the opportunity to sit down and really do it. I was, you know, my day job was closed for like a year. I couldn't get into the Capitol. You know, everything became remote. Uh, and so, you know, I started to write, you know, later in life, uh, never expecting to get to it. And now I can't imagine a day that goes by where I wouldn't write.
0: It seems to me, though, not only did people ingest media at very record rates over COVID. I mean, between TV, and movies, books, visual, music, um, I think there's a level of us that probably needs some, some some kind of fantasy and escapism. I mean, I know we're coming out of COVID, but man, all these other things that we're entering, as far as like. Supreme Court rulings and Russia and invasions and all of this, do you see that maybe this is a very key and unique time to be a novelist, to offer people another world to escape to for a little bit?
1: I sure do. You know, I look for escapism in, in my evenings and weekends, right? I think everybody does. It doesn't matter really what your job is, uh, but, you know, it's, it's a turbulent time. Uh, it's a very politically charged time. And, uh, you know, I think that uh, people are, uh, you know, looking for something else to do, something that that provides that level of escapism. And and I think first and foremost, as an author or any kind of artist, really, uh, you know, your goal is to entertain the person, right? You want them to come and see your installment at the museum, or you want them to buy your book and and download it uh, or listen to it on audio. I mean, those are the kind of things... You know, when I'm driving or I'm traveling, you get a chance to do that, and you escape from real life. And it, your real life could be something, you know, pretty straightforward. You know, you've got kids, you got a family, you got to make a mortgage payment, and all these other things are around there, and this gives you that, that, uh, that level of escapism. And I'll take it one step further. You know, I've noticed a resurgence in a lot of these role-playing games, uh, whether you're a sci-fi or fantasy fan or even a horror fan. I've seen a lot of those go live, and, and it's become very popular uh, to be a nerd these days. Uh, And people have embraced it in a way where there are YouTube shows and Twitch shows, Discord channels that are all set up for folks to play these games live. And when no one could leave their homes, there was, you know, with the virtual uh, technology that we have today, you were able to do this and kind of engage. And I think that opens people's minds, too, whether it is something like mine, which was choosing to write uh, the first uh, novel in a series or if it was some other kind of uh, artistic engagement.
0: You know, there's all these perceptions for people out there. I think there's a lot of people that have this, you know, dream of being an author and writing a book or a book or just something along those lines, an artistic pie in the sky, so to speak. So as somebody that's published, that's had this dream, you have a day job, this is obviously your passion, your dream, kind of dispense the myths behind all of this. What's the hardest and the easiest part of getting to the point where you actually publish a book?
1: So the hardest part is training yourself to write every day. Writing isn't easy. People, I think, See, it, it really isn't. Uh, there's a muscle memory that comes with it. It's almost like working out, and you got to get to a point where, you know, with the day that you miss the gym, you feel guilty about it. Is the is the same thing with writing. The day that you're not writing something, uh, you should feel guilty about it as an author. The hardest thing is getting into that practice. It has to become. Muscle memory has to become habit. Uh, and, you know, you don't have to write great, award-winning stuff every day. Like days where I am not doing my best at writing, I'm outlining. I'm looking at future projects. I sometimes use that downtime to bounce ideas off of other creatives. I take where I'm stuck. You know, if you ever get into a rut or writer's block, I find talking to other people about it and telling them what you would like to do hearing their ideas sparks your own imagination. And you're like, Oh, well, why didn't I think of that? And that gets you back into writing. And I've actually listened to, uh, Margaret Weiss who, who, you know, wrote the Dragonlance novels, um, in my genre. She says what she does sometimes she, even when she's writing very well, she'll stop and force herself to stop. And and I wondered why. And she went on to say, it was because then she feels the urge to go back and finish, and you get a second perspective on things. When things are running through your head, you don't even know they're coming together. So I think the hardest part is really training yourself to be uh, a writer. The easiest part, uh, I think, is passion, right? If you're going to write something, it has to be inside you. And, and for me, I've had a story rattling around in my head for 20 years, uh, and it's a matter of putting it on paper that takes some energy. Uh, like I said before, it, it, it takes that sort of habit. But, you know, if you love your story, you're going to want to write this. And you're going to get up every day or stay up late or do it on the weekends or do it when the kids are in bed and the dogs are already walked and, you know, or whatever it is, and you're going to find that time to write something, even if it's just a few paragraphs or outlining the project, and you, you know, nickel and dime your way, you cobble together that outline, That comes from passion, and that's something from within, you know, and I think that's the easiest part. But I will say, you know, it is a community. You know, I think people out there, uh, if I were to give someone a piece of advice, uh, you know, as as an author, uh, listen to other people. Don't be afraid to share your work. Send it to beta readers. Talk to people about it. Get their opinion on it because sometimes you're so close to it, you're blind to it. You know, you're almost like tone deaf. In a way, like, you, you think the story is heading in this direction because in your head it's always headed in that direction. But if you share it with people, you'd be surprised at how many cool, creative, and even better ideas they have that you can go back and rewrite and edit into your manuscript. And so I think opening up uh, to folks isn't always the easiest thing for an introverted community like authors have a tendency to be. Uh, but I would encourage everybody to kind of get a thick skin and, and go out there and and find books that can help them write a better novel.
0: So you mentioned Lord of the Rings, but and as the years have gone on, what has been a book that you've gone back to, one that really inspires, and it's kind of like a backbone for you?
1: Yeah, so I've read a series uh, by R.A. Salvatore uh, that really got that – at that point, I knew – where Tolkien was, I love fantasy – where Salvatore brought me is I have these same stories I want to write like R. A. writes, and you know he wrote a dark elf trilogy that starts with this book called Homeland, uh, and it's the origin story of a of a very, uh, very popular Dritz Duordan who is a you know, a dark elven ranger, sort of in the in the uh, in the mold of, of, of Aragorn from uh, Lord of the Rings. And, uh, you know, I I go back and read that once a year. Uh, I think that that kind of, I, for me, that's that post that you're looking for. It really gets your your, your veins pumping and that blood boiling, uh, and you just love And What he's done, I've tried to assimilate into my writing as well. I mean, I write epic fantasy, and I've included some dark fantasy in it. And in his case he was writing about a, a you know, sort of an evil society uh that you know this good kid is growing up in. In in, in my world it's you know, I, I try to you know do a little bit more of the gothic, like the more classic gothic fear factor uh that comes from it. And of course it's you know mine is is, is far different than his, but uh I you know, I take a lot of inspiration from Salvatore and I would think secondarily, I've I've reread my Dragonlance novels from Margaret Weiss uh, and Hickman uh, over and over. They're dog-eared, and I refuse to get rid of them because I think there's good karma in them. You know what I mean? There, that's, it's a lot of fun, and that is classic sword and sorcery fantasy, uh, and that that also gets your your blood
0: pumping. So, talk to me about people that you look up to, role models, heroes that really fuel and make you do what you do, and 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 feel passionate about what you do?
1: Yeah, so first first and foremost, it's my uncle. Uh, You know, know, for a guy to come back from a war as a quadriplegic and instead of giving up, found a a new place in life. He was dependent on a lot of people, uh, including my mother, including his mother for some time. And, uh, you know, sitting there learning, he never complained about it. Uh, It was something that I learned uh, to write from him, and to respect sort of the passion he had, and he became my teacher, right? And I and I think that as as a role model, as someone that's an inspiration to in me, he was the first and foremost. Uh, and I kind of honor him uh, through uh, my writing. I've taken his last name as my penmate uh, to honor him because he didn't live long enough uh, to be able to publish something. He wrote some, you know, pulp fiction. And uh, serials for for magazines and stuff like that, uh, but nothing. I think his dream once he had come back from the war was to get published. And he didn't have a chance to do that, and I got lucky and I found a great publisher on the on, on my first try, you know, out. And uh, you know, I, I honor him by by doing that. He would be the one that's a personal uh, you know, hero of mine. And I think you know, I've already mentioned a few. Uh, of the professional ones, the R.A. Salvators, the Margaret Weis's, the Tracy Hickmans, the 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 Tolkens, the George Martins, you know, and I'm a you know big fan of Brandon Sanderson, Terry Pratchett, um, you know, and, and and stuff that that they've done. They've done a lot to advance that fantasy, uh, that fantasy genre over the years. And I look up to them and see how they've been uh,
0: successful, uh, and I'm trying to pattern my my novels in the same way. So if you could meet one person alive today on the planet, who would it be? What would you talk about with them? <laughs> uh, uh, that's a that's a really cool question. Uh, you know, I, I think
1: that if I were answering it professionally from an author perspective, uh, and this person has to be alive, right?
0: Yeah, ideally, but, you know, we could go back. We could tweak it.
1: Yeah, so if I had a chance to sit down with Tolkien, that would, be the, that, that would be the wish list, right? Uh, he would be the bucket list guy. He is the father, the grandfather of all fantasy. Uh, you know, everything is, is sort of born from this idea that he's created, this classic sort and sorcery, classic fantasy with Middle-earth. Uh, and his genius with the use of language uh, is unmatched. Uh, it's hard to even try to do it. I've tried to do a little bit within my realm by, you know, creating a magic system, and I've used, in his case, used a lot of Scandinavian languages uh, to create a language and a history uh, that, that uh, you know, he has, a, he has one book that just talks about the, the history of Middle Earth, and people read that and go crazy about it. I mean, that's the kind of thing that I'm trying to do on a much more micro level. You know, I've created various languages you know, and not full languages like Klingon from Star Trek and things like that. There are classes you can take. These are sort of minor languages, but they, they stay consistent throughout the, the series of the novels for things that I call the the conjurer's tongue or Warmenstarian, which is the sort of the common tongue of the people uh, in different ways. And I think those details people appreciate. You know, detail rich writing is something people can get involved in. And he was such a great world builder. You know, he created these these worlds, in this case, the world of Middle Earth, you know, and it's hard, it's really hard to do that. Uh, And so as I've tried to do it, respecting, you know, how he's been able to do it and keeping all of that straight requires family trees, it requires language, it requires a monetary system, you know, and, and, and things like that. And it just can't be things that are generic. It has to be stuff that's unique to the realm that people will remember and, frankly, in, many insist will appreciate the effort you went to so that it isn't just a single gold piece or it isn't just them saying a spell. You know, you've got something in there that's that that I think makes it really uh, you know, much more detail-rich, and that's what Tolkien was the master of. And, they, and to sit down with him over a lunch and chat with him about how he was able to do that and, and what sparked his genius, that's what I would
0: want to get from him. If you have a dream tonight and you run into your younger version of yourself around the time that you were really kind of hatching dreams of what you want to do with your life and, and writing a book, and you could give yourself one piece of advice based on the wisdom that you've gathered throughout all these years, what would it be? What would you tell your younger version?
1: Yeah, you know, the, the easy answer here is start writing earlier. You know, I started writing at a creative writing class in high school, several of them. And I remember wanting to go to school to go to that class. The rest of the classes I suffered through because, you know, if you're a kid, you don't want to be there. Uh, but there's only a certain number of classes that I can remember taking that I couldn't wait to get to that class. And that class always flew by. And creative writing was one of them. And I gave that up, you know, and I regret that. Now, I write every day for my day job. So, you know, but it's, it's nonfiction stuff. It's policy. It's speeches. It's... Things that are related to legislation—it's it, not prose, it's not pro, it's not it's not dialogue. It's it, it's it's something that's it's it, it's reality. It's it's, it's, it's a, you know kind of that, that life stuff that you have to do to be part of it. So I I still used my communication skills, but I think that I should have stuck with and started writing earlier because my career would be markedly different. You know, I think I would definitely be I would have done this. Full time, I would have suffered through it, in the same way everybody suffers through their internships and you know, takes jobs that you know they they, they think uh, don't match up to where their dreams are. But it's the end; you get that toehold that, that you know, you're now you've got a beachhead, and you can work from there. And I wish I would have done this 20 years ago instead of now. Uh, but that's that's what I would tell my younger self: start early
0: and and, and focus on this. So everyone has a perception of you, your family, your friends, your fans. You have these different personas, obviously, as having your day job, you know, um, and, you know, being an author and being, you know, family guy. But everyone has this perception that you are the one living your life. What's your perception of you? Who do you think you are? I think I'm a man in transition. You know, I
1: think that I've, I've now worked in uh, politics for 20-plus years. Uh, I've enjoyed it for the most part. Uh, It's something that appeals to me. And stuff that I've been able to take away from it, I've baked into my books. Uh, And so in some instances, learning how politics, and in particular international politics work, how people uh, trade, how people uh, barter, how people are diplomats, And I've been able to use that as parts of of my novels because it's true. And there's that reality behind it that makes it easily believable, right? Because people look at that and say, yes, I can see that happening. That's how people would work in real life. And then secondarily, I do a lot of work with defense technology companies. And I've been able to see the development of new technologies and how that uh, impacts life in general, sometimes for, you know, the general welfare, other times for providing for the common defense. And I've taken some of those ideas and dropped them in. That's sort of my, I, I tease people, that's my sci-fi vent in fantasy. I've i have allowed myself to put a little bit of it. The one quirk I have, and, and you know, forgive me for saying this because it's a bit of a digression, but the one quirk I have with fantasy is that if you look at good fantasy like Tolkien or, or Game of Thrones like Martin or Terry Brooks' stuff with Shannara, those societies have been around for thousands of years, and they're still using swords and shields. Like, like, there's no advancement, you know, and what I've done is I've created a city of scholars that I've learned from working at the Pentagon, and uh, I've created incremental advancement. So if you're a fantasy fan, you're you're, you're not upset that I'm putting this advancement in there because it's still, it's a fantasy weapon that I've created. But at, at, at the end of the day, it also, I think, helps the sci-fi fan in me because I now can, I can, attribute advancement in my fantasy realm to something that would naturally happen. You see it all the time, you know, whether it's through education or research or science. And and so there's a city that's made of scholars that is open to free research. People come from around the realm to go there. And I think that I use that, that 20 years of knowledge in writing my books to make them more realistic in a very fantastical world. Uh, it, it, grounds them to some degree, but it's, it's a realm that I'm moving away from. I, I am committed and very passionate to making my authorship work. And so I see myself as someone that's entering a realm that I should have been in 20 years ago late. Uh, but I don't mind. You know, I'll, I'll be Roy Hobbs from The Natural, right? Like, I'll show up at, you know, age 35, <laughs> hit a bunch of home runs, I'll figure it out, I'll make it work. Uh, and what I'm, I'm grateful for is my ability to look at it through the lens of a business owner, an entrepreneur, and bring those skill sets that I've learned, not only in D.C. as a lobbyist, but also as a, a business person, bring those to the fore to help me advance my,
0: my, my new uh, entrepreneurship, which is authorship. Perfect, man. Joe, hey, thank you for taking some time out today, man. It was great to get to know you. Good luck with everything. Appreciate it. You are a gentleman and a scholar, sir. Thank you very much. Thanks for tuning in to another famous interview with Joe Domino, where we cover the world of art, literature, and music around the globe. If you want to hear more interviews, visit Famous Interviews with Joe Domino on YouTube. Thanks again for listening, and until next time.